I'm going to deliver my heart and soul. I very rarely speak a word like this to a church. But Pastor Donovan asked me to be involved years ago in the planning of Life Point. And we have, and we are their mentors, and we help them through uh, situations, and they help us. We're a good team together. We love these people like their own. And I'm, I'm going to be very, very honest with you today about faith. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 and 20. And uh, the writer says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast them out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. But verily I say unto you, If you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to where? Yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I'm going to speak to you today on a simple subject, speaking to my mountain, and in faith it will disappear. We sing an old song in the old church, and when I say the old church, I was born in 1954, and the songs that we sang in the 50s and 60s, we don't sing anymore. But there was a song in the old church that we would sing is, Faith can move mountains, mountains of fear and of dread. Faith can move mountains. So why don't you try your faith now? And we would sing it over. And my daddy would say, let's sing it one more time. People would sit there like you're sitting there now, like a mule staring at a new gate. They would be moving. My dad would say, let's sing it one more time. We'd sing it 40 more times. He'd finally kick that right leg up as high as his head and say, whoop, Glory. And the next thing you know, that there's out there getting it. Faith can move mountains. They could then and they can now. We've, we've all been where the disciples were, haven't we? Prayed and nothing happened. We've tried our faith out and nothing happened. The mountain did not move. But faith is the essential foundation of all that I hope for. You take my faith out of me, then I have no foundation. My faith is the essential foundation of my soul. Faith is that gorilla glue that holds my world together when I'm falling apart. Duct tape don't work all the time, but I promise you, Gorilla Glue does. Just watch the commercial. <laughs> Gorilla Glue is that something that is a little bit stronger. It can stand the water. It can stand the strain. And we can't lose that core fiber of our house, of our life, that faith has built. <laughs> so you ask me what the question is, you say, well, what is the question? The question is, what is faith? You have to go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and 1. 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In spite of times, it doesn't seem to work like we planned. In the hope that keeps us speaking one more time to our mountains. Now for the last 17 years, <clears throat> I've been praying for my total healing that God would completely deliver me to where I can walk without assistance and I can run the aisles of the church again and jump like Pastor was jumping up here this morning. It has not happened yet. But I've come today to encourage you. It's never too late to speak to your mountain. It's never too late to speak to your mountain. Why don't you speak to your mountain one more time? It's never too late to prophesy, Pastor. So prophesy one more time. It's never too late to believe one more time. So let's believe one more time. So where is your faith? Is it in the things that you have or is it in things that you're hoping for? My faith is not in the things I have because I don't have very much. My faith is in the things I'm hoping for. You know, Brother Tenney used to say it like this. Faith is not a walk in the park, but faith is a walk in the dark. Oh, we just like to, you know, think living for Jesus is like, oh, peace and love and peace out. and You ain't never going to have a bad day and everything's going to be all right. Faith, you know, faith is not a walk in the park. If you're, if you're going to live for Jesus Christ, you got to put your big boy pants on. Because those people that used to like you, when they find out you're one of those tongue talkers, they're going to say, you're weird. Well, I'm the same one that burst my teeth yesterday, and I brushed them again today. What's weird about that? Well, you just look different. Well, you are looking different. Because something changed inside. What changed inside? The gift of God came in, and when it came in, it brought faith. And that person that told you, you look weird, don't but know it, they're on a prayer list, they're on God's hit list, and the next thing is, they're going to be here. So, you know, Psalms, 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my pathway. You know what? You know what the word, you know what the word of God is? The word of God is that right there. It's a flashlight. That's not real bright, but it's just enough light that I can see, that I'm not going to stumble and fall. Some people say, oh, I just stumbled and fall. Well, you just told me you wasn't into the Word. Because the Word says the Word of God is a lamp on your feet 
and like through pathways. So you know, at the end of the day, that that little flashlight, it's real handy. You know, not, we used to go buy flashlights to hunt with. Now we walk around at the deer camp with these things. These are a lot more expensive than, 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 than yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm buying cheap flashlights still because this is too, too, too expensive. But let me, let me just tell you, God's word is a lamp to our feet. It's like the flashlight. We can have it in our hand. It's capable of great insight. But what are we doing with it? Are we going to use it or are we going to lose it? It's your faith that chooses to shine the light into your darkness. It's your faith that gives you courage to keep walking through the scary unknown with a lamp that lights everything that you're given, which I'm just simply, simply trying to say, faith lights the darkness. If you've got faith, that's all you need. When God spoke on the beginning, it was, about, it was dark and void. But when he thundered his voice, his thundering said, let there be light. And there was light. And there still is light. And I'm speaking to your mountain today. The mountain is going to fall and crumble because there's faith in the house. There's faith in your spirit. I felt it when they were worshiping. I felt it in prayer last night. I felt it in prayer this morning. Faith can move mountains. Mountains. Faith can move mountains. You know, our mountains are, they are our darkness. Our mountains are our frustrations. There are impossibilities. There are challenges. There are fears. There are failures. There are unyielding situations that just seem to stare us down. Every one of us in this sanctuary today, we're facing challenging situations. There's dark corners in our lives that plague us and keep us up at night. Today, I want to renew the power of the spoken word. I want to renew the power of the spoken word. Why don't we keep advancing toward our mountain and keep speaking, speaking, speaking to it until it's moved? I'm tired of you not getting your prayers answered. I'm tired of me not getting my prayers answered. But I made up my mind last night in that hotel room. Next door, they was getting drunk, and they were drinking. They were drinking the hard stuff, and they were having a party. And so I said, I'm going to have a prayer meeting. So I just started talking in tongues. I started praying in tongues, and I don't know who out prayed who, but after a while, they fell out where they were, and I fell out where I was. And I woke up before they did this morning, and I guarantee you I was in much better shape than they were. But I want to ask you, 
has anybody in this sanctuary ever had a mountain, a situation disappear or resolve after you spoke to it in faith? Would you raise your hand if it ever happened? Okay, why are you coexisting with that mountain today? If you ever had it happen, why are you coexisting with that mountain today? I made up my mind. I'm not coexisting with any other mountain. Everything's not right in our, in our immediate family. But Donna and I are not taking it lying down. We're on our faces before God, and I am believing, and I am claiming that God is going to bring that mountain walking back through that door. I, it's not all right with me that that mountain's not living right. It's not all right with me that mountain's doing what it's doing. It's never going to be all right till that mountain gets back where it needs to be. I'm not going to coexist with a devil having my mountain. What about you? One of the first miracles that I ever had in my young ministry was when I was writing this message, everything came to me just as I'm giving it to you this morning. So it's just so neat how that worked. Hardly ever does a writer sit down and everything happened at one time. And man, when it happens, it just it's just so thrilling. But one of the first miracles I ever had in my young ministry was a man we were teaching home Bible study to. Their last name was Manning. And they lived in Burris, Louisiana. And Mr. Tom Manning was a patriarch of the family. He worked at Burris Boat Harbor and so I met him by renting a spot for a boat. And I run my mouth to everybody, and we became friends and asked him where he went to church. He said, well, I used to go to so-and-so church, preach messed up, so I don't go. I said, well, God didn't mess up. You want to try our church? How about a Bible study? Got a Bible study with the whole family. So Donna and I were down in Buris, and that's where it was at. And, you know, I'd been teaching very hard the last three lessons on healing and the power of God. I wouldn't might start on my Bible study, but it didn't mean I was going to finish on my Bible study because whatever I felt in my heart, just what rabbit trail I jumped. So for about three weeks, I had jumped divine healing. So Donna and I were, had taken the weekend off a few days during the week. We went to Lee Road to be back visit with her mom and dad in the country so we could ride three-wheelers and where we could feel solid ground because in Buris, ain't no solid ground down there. It's all floating stuff. So we just wanted to go walk on some, some, some real ground. So I got a call one afternoon from Mr. Tom's family. His son Butch run Dairy Queen, which I was glad he ran Dairy Queen. Because we got a lot of free ice cream. So, Butch calls. He said, Pastor, Dad's sick, double pneumonia. Doctor said he's dying. I said, which hospital is it in? He said, nope, no hospital. He said, I'm going home. Put me in bed. Call the pastor. Get him down here. 
and he's going to pray. Two and a half hour ride in a 98 Oldsmobile. I had it cocked back. I had that sad daddy going just as fast as it was going. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was desperate. My wife was praying, Lord, get us there. And I was praying, Lord, show up when we get there. She was praying, Lord, we need to be safe. And I said, Lord, you need to heal. And so we walked in there, and I said, I'm not saying nothing to nobody. I didn't hug nobody's neck. I didn't shake nobody's hand. But I walked in there with all on my right finger. And I looked at him, and I pointed at him. And I said, Mr. Tom, by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name Jesus, I command this pneumonia, double pneumonia, to leave your lungs and leave your respiratory system. And I, I call you out of that bed now and be healed. And we turn around and we walked out and closed the door. And 20 minutes later, he had done showered and shaved and changed and sat down at the table. He said, where's the red beans and rice? I said, what just happened? God moved that mountain. I said, God moved that mountain. It wasn't nothing I did. I just spoke to the mountain, and I happened to believe it. I wish I had that simple faith again where I could believe just like that, and God would show up, and God would show out. Sometimes life just wears us down. We've prayed so many times, and it seems to echo back to us with little result. But I've come to resurrect your tired faith today. Jesus is here to infuse you with fresh faith. Speak to your mountain again, Brandon, and don't stop speaking into your mountain until it's moved. Sometimes our faith gets tired. I'm talking about radical faith that we speak when we speak the word and we watch the mountain change locations. Just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, our friend Greg Albritton that's preached probably here at LifePoint, he came down with West Nile. Everybody has prayed for him. And the doctors coded him several times. He was given up to, to die and not live again. But just last Sunday, he preached at our daughter work at LaRonja. LaRonja had 166 people there to come see a living miracle. About three or four got the Holy Ghost and five or so got baptized. I am saying if God could do it, in 1975, God can do it in 2018. There's more Greg Albritton with us now that God wants to heal. I said, God wants to heal this person we prayed for this morning with viral meningitis. If I could just get one person to believe that and just get radical faith. 
You know, Nathan Halsman, out of our church, one of my sons in the gospel, he's been here too. His, he and his wife, Haley, are missionaries now to Zurich, Switzerland. Around Thanksgiving time, the doctor said that his dad was totally eat up all inside with cancer. There was not a spot in his intestines. Only his right lung didn't have cancer. Strange, everything else had cancer. Well, Nathan is a man of faith, and he prays intercessory, and he prays in faith. And so just this past Monday, Mr. Ray went back, uh, Brother Ray Hulsman went back to the doctors. They did CAT scans, MRIs, X-rays, and everything. And the doctor came back in the room. He slaps the old film up there and says, look what you saw at Thanksgiving. But look what you're seeing now. He said, I'm puzzled. You're full of cancer here, and there's no cancer over here. What in the world's gone wrong? He said, my son's been praying for me and everybody else. And the doctor said, well, I might have knew there was prayer involved. When are you going to speak to your mountain and watch God do the unexpected? There's a miracle working God alive and well in this place. Let's just take a praise break for a moment. I think I'd just like for you to stand Clap your hands and shout hallelujah to God. Come on, just shout hallelujah. Come on, shout praise the Lord. Come on, shout amen. Come on, shout praise Jesus. Come on, shout I believe my family's coming to you, Lord. Come on, clap your hands and shout one more time. Hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Right now, while you're clapping your hands, speak to your mountain. Come on, right now, speak to your mountain while you're clapping your hands. My God's a mountain mover. One mountain we all face is fear. And I'm coming against fear this morning. I'm casting fear out of your mind. I'm casting fear out of your life. I'm casting fear out of your marriage. I'm casting fear out of your finances. I'm casting fear out of your children. You can be seated. One mountain we all face is fear. Fear paralyzes my faith. You know what fear is? Fear is faith in reverse. Fear is torment. And this morning when they were singing something about fear and torment up there on that screen, wasn't those words up there? 
something like that, something about on one song y'all sang. I said, well, I got the right word. At least one sentence in my word was right. Fear. Torment. Yeah. That's my next line. It really is. Fear is overcome by perfect love. Fear is a torment. It causes insomnia, nervous conditions, high blood pressures, and all kinds of ailments. The only thing that can cast out fear is God's perfect love. Fear paralyzes our witnessing, our giving of ourselves and our finances. Fear hinders us obeying the voice of God. Now I came today to speak to the mountain of poverty that's blocking prosperity and your faith to enjoy giving of your finances. Always when our money got tight, Don and I would sit down together and say we're going to give our way out of the slump through giving. If we didn't have it, we would give it. Anyway, we'd give a little bit more. Now, obviously, you're giving group of people at LifePoint. I've watched over these 10 years as you've made great sacrifices to bring you where you are today. We need to stand and give Jesus some high praise one more time and clap your hands and shout how far we've made it in 10 years. Can you do that one more time? Just one more time. Clap your hands and give God some glory of how far we've come. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I said, I feel, I feel faith coming off of Brother Donovan like a radar, man. The faith that Brother Donovan shooting at me has got me amped up about 500 more meters than I usually run. I mean, my mind is thinking so much I can't say it all at one time. Donovan, you got to shut something off for a minute, man. No, you don't. Let me tell you, in the future, in the future, y'all are going to need to add place to a piece of land and add on to this building. You're going to need some new parking and a new beautiful landscaping. You are aware it's going to cost money to fuel your great vision. Vision is not cheap. I'm speaking to some people who would, there were some people who wouldn't tie this morning because you were afraid you couldn't go buy McDonald's tomorrow or you couldn't buy groceries. Well, don't you think God's got your provision? If he sees a sparrow when he falls, he sees you. My son went into Walmart one day, and he said, walking toward the cash register, the Lord spoke to him and said, pull a $20 bill out and give to the cashier. And he said, he walked up there and he asked the cashier, he said, are you able to take tips? She said, yes, I am. 
and he said, well, here, the Lord spoke to me about 20 feet from you that you needed $20. And she said, I got down by my bed and prayed this morning. Jesus, you know I need $20, and I don't get paid today, but I need somebody for you to speak to to give me $20. And God spoke to my son in the $20. If you having trouble trusting God, don't. Because he already knows your tomorrow. And everything is secure. But you are aware that to fuel the vision that God's got for Life Point and the dreams that Pastor Donovan has for Life Point is going to take money. And I'm going to talk about money for a little bit as I close out. I call for the musicians want to get ready. But can I talk seriously to you for a moment? Can I bury my heart to you for a moment? Man, I was praying about this word, and I don't like really preaching about this. But I've been a part of Life Point since the start, and I know what Pastor Donovan wants to do, and I know that we need 500 seats in this auditorium, and it's going to cost money, and we got we got some stuff to do, and and you know, the money's really not here right now, but this and that, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. In 1980, you know, we had the same thing at Lee Road. But I'm t- I want to talk to you seriously for a moment. The money we're going to need isn't McDonald's money. It's not Starbucks money, but it's going to be even more than Brazilian steakhouse money, but it's going to be vacation money. It's going to be car buying money. In 1980, we had hamburger money. That's all we had. We had old oil leaking cars in the parking lot. Thank God we didn't have concrete. All would have been speckled all over like a spotted dog. Every vehicle in there was held together with bailing wire. There wasn't a brand-new vehicle. The the newest vehicle was mine, and it was an old F-150-4-wheel drive, and it I had to watch where I parked it because it leaked all, too. And everybody had old clunkers. That's what we call them in the country. We had clunkers. I don't know what city folk call them, but wore cars in the country was clunkers. Everybody drove clunkers. And you know what? You would just go up and get $2 worth of gas and fill it up with oil. That's what you would do in those days with the more cars. And I'd mow the grass. And at the church then, I was not only the pastor, but I was the yard cleaner. And I was the bathroom cleaner. And I did everything that nobody else wanted to do because there wasn't but 58 of us and half of them was kids. And I, I began speaking out against fear and those people got afraid of me. I, I began to speak against the mountain of the spirit of poverty. We were bound so bad by the spirit of poverty. We started a building program and we we was old-fashioned back then. We just draw the thermometer 
on a on a piece of white poster board and put it up in the foyer, and every Sunday we'd make a line of how much money. And then one night we was taking up an offering, sacrificial offering. Guy on the front row says, I give one dollar. Next guy next to him said, I, he, I give two dollars. And he said, just be quiet on that. We don't need that kind of money. That kind of money we've taken. Well, the, maybe that's all they could afford. I just felt somebody say in their mind, if you saw where they ate, they could afford more than that. But you see, we started a building program. And we started selling concrete by the yard back in 1983. Concrete sold for $35 a yard. I wish we could get it for that now. We, so we started doing a few things. And so we started getting to the point to where we could pour the foundation and and we could buy the frame of material. So with boldness, I walked to the pulpit. I'd been with Jesus. I'd been shutting with God. My eyes was like crazy, and I was just like all prancing. Let's, come on, let's start church. I'll get here. And I said, I'm asking you people today, you that's trying to buy a car this year, I don't want you to buy a car with that money given and offering. You're just going on vacation. I want you to put that money in the building fund. You that's going to do the addition to your home, I want that money put in the building phone. So I'm prophesying to you. If you'll do what I'm asking you to do, you'll always drive a new car. You won't never be without a job, and God will always supply your need. <laughs> of course, I asked them to discuss it with their family, especially their wife. Because our wife felt like they needed vacation. I said, and I'm going to lead the way. And I said, I promise you, nobody will outgive me during this process of time. And I said, until we get our new building built, I don't care how long it takes, I want us to practice this until we move in our new building and we finalize the bank note. I want you to give until it hurts. I led the way. We sanctified, we sacrificed, we prayed. We gave, we prayed, we fasted. You know, every now and then we would cook a chicken dinner. I said, no, you know what? This ain't the will of God. Peanut brittle ain't the will of God. You can't cook enough peanut brittle. You can't cook enough chicken dinners. Somehow you just got to dig, dig down out of your pocket and get that folding money that's got mold on it. Give it to God. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. You know what? We built that one building that I'm talking about in the 80s. Set 300. You know, and when we got to 350, God said, now it's time to go to Mandeville and build a church. We went down there and we bought a $606,000 church that was going, it was another denomination and they were selling because they didn't have enough members to fill it anymore. 
Matter of fact, they had they didn't have enough members to pay the bill, so they sold it to us at a sacrifice. Well, you know what? We paid that building off about five years early, so that bill is paid for. And then, and then, six years ago, we built we built a two point nine million dollar building on our property. Now, Donna and I did by the help of the Lord. And then, right after that, two years ago in the Ranger, we built a one point two million dollar building. And last Sunday, they had 166. You know what? We've got one building that's paid for. So on the building that we now sit in that has 500 seats, last year we paid off our second mortgage, which was $150,000. We paid it off. And now it's our goal to pay the other mortgage off in two and a half years, and we're going to do it by the help of the Lord. Why? Because it's the will of God to speak to your mountain of fear and watch it fall down. Fear cannot rule the church. The church must rule fear. You know what? Collectively, this past Sunday on three campuses, we had 584 people. Just 16 shy, 600. You know what? I'm going to step out on step out there right now and prophetic. I'm going to prophesy to you people. God spoke to us. And the amazing thing is, now we have new cars in our parking lot. It looks like an upscale uh, car lot. We have new houses being built. Our people have prospered through hurricanes and floods and economic collapse. Right now, the oil field has laid off so many employees, but not one person in our church has been laid off. They still have their jobs, and they've been promoted. And God is doing more miracles in our jobs right now. We have people. About four years ago, I prophesied, and I said, I want you to start praying that God will give you a job that you're not qualified for because we, we, we need you to have some raises on your jobs so you can better support your family and better support the church. And we have people now in our church that don't even have a college education, but they were hired above people with college education because they can do the job. That's going to happen here in Life Point. That's going to happen here in Life Point. This church is strategically located. Look across the highway at that beautiful building. And what God wants to put here is going to be more beautiful than that. They can go over there and get food for their body, but they can come in here and get deliverance from their drugs. (laughs) 
and their alcohol and their sexual sins. They can come in here and get delivered and healed in their body and healed in their mind and healed in their soul and healed in their spirit. You know, and I'm closing, I can hear you. Your sacrifice will not shortchange your future. Jesus just don't work that way. If you can accomplish your dreams in your lifetime, they're way too small. So your future life point is bright. Your future as an individual is bright. Your future as a family is favored and full of promise. When Pastor Donovan and the board decides what to do about space and roll out the plans, I want you to shout yes and clap your hands and say I'm on board. Count me in. Don't leave me out. I want in. I wouldn't be left out of a chance to give. I want to be the first one in line. And I say I might not be able to drink at Starbucks or eat at McDonald's. I might not be able to buy a new car. My brother walked up to me in 1983. My brother walked up to me. And he said, Vic, he called me pastor. My own brother I was raised with called me pastor. He called me bishop now. My own brother walked up to me and said, you know I was going to buy a car tomorrow. And you have to tell us today we can't buy a car. You know that old Ford Escort we're driving is burning more oil than gas. What am I going to do? I said, just keep driving until it quits. Then we'll figure it out. He said, then I'll be giving all my money. I said, but God ain't going to leave you on the side of the road. Well, this coming, this coming November the 29th, after 27 years, he will retire from UPS at full salary. They're now building their a new home, a retirement home. They sold their the home that they raised their family in for 30 years. We sold our home too, and we'd be building side by side and kind of a retirement village. But my brother and I will live our life out. We'll be sitting on the front porch, living old times. But I was raised by two old people that believed that, that if God said it in that word, it was true. And I'm telling you in the prophetic word today that God wants life point to do something that's never done before, and that's to go far beyond what they've ever given so they can give to what needs to be built. Someone come to the keyboard, please. You come to the music and play some light-layered music, but now what I want to do, I want you, this is what I feel led in my heart to do for all the call. I want church membership. If you call this church your home, I want you to bring your wallet and your checkbook with you. I want you to bring it. I want it out while you're coming down the aisle. I want you to come stand in front of this altar. I want you to come stand with your wallet and your checkbook. Would you do that now, please? you stand, get your wallet out and checkbook. 
walk up and stand in front of this altar. It's about the weirdest thing you've probably ever seen. But this is what Jesus told me to come over and do. This is what I'm doing. And I'm going to see God work some miracles. And I want you to stand close to your wallet, and I want you to lay it on that altar right there. I want you to lay it on the altar in front of you. I don't want your neighbor getting your wallet. I want you laying that altar right there in front of you.